0: To learn more, click on the conference tab at beckershospitalreview.com. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jake Lancaster, Chief Medical Information Officer at Baptist Memorial Healthcare in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. Lancaster, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you, Laura. Glad to be with you.
0: Before we jump into the questions, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. So um, my name is Jake Lancaster. I'm an internal medicine physician, and I am the chief medical information officer for Baptist Memorial Healthcare. I got my start by I did medical school at University of Mississippi. Then I went on to do uh, residency in internal medicine at UAB. Where I also did a master's in health administration. I then left to do a fellowship in clinical informatics at Vanderbilt and did their master's in applied clinical informatics program. Uh, before jumping into operations and, and moving first to uh, a hospital system in West Tennessee and then moving to to Memphis and, and Memphis uh, Baptist Memorial Healthcare uh, has 22 hospital systems across three states Arkansas Mississippi and Tennessee and as well as a couple hundred clinics.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm really excited for our conversation today. My first question is, how has COVID-19 changed your strategy and view around virtual care technology?
1: Yeah, so it has really evolved a lot since last March. So in the beginning, like most every other healthcare system in the country, we were very busy standing up telemedicine solutions. Um, We saw a very large spike in both inpatient and outpatient uses of telemedicine. Uh, within that first couple of months. And then it it died down a little bit and plateaued. But we did have a little bit of an increase uh, back in December with the the peak of our second wave. Um, More recently, we have been uh, embarking on the hospital-at-home route and really have been working to try to incorporate that remote patient monitoring to better enable our, our healthcare system to deliver that that uh, care that is going to be it's going to be really needed especially going forward I, I know a lot of hospitals are are moving into that space and a lot have been doing it for for years but this is certainly is a new uh, a new program for us and I'm excited to see that continue to evolve and see how that technology can augment the experience for the physician and patient
0: that's fantastic it, it, you know it's great to think about how the pandemic as bad as it was gave us the opportunity to um, embark on more of these technology initiatives that can really benefit the patients greatly, especially those that are um, needing that kind of care from home.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it, CMS's rules for hospital at home are, are a little interesting because that patient has to look exactly like they do on the inpatient side. Um, so it does, uh, the demographic for the patient that's being admitted to the hospital at home program does kind of limit uh, Some of I think the utility of that remote patient monitoring, because it really does have to be be a very specific patient that would meet that meet those criteria. But I think that will continue to evolve in the future. Um, And then as we get more comfortable with with dealing with that, I can see remote patient monitoring being tied into many of our other outpatient uh, departments that just are, are, you know, following their own panel of regular clinic patients. So I think as we gain more experience with it, um, it'll just continue to grow.
0: Got it. And now I wanted to ask you about enterprise imaging as well. How do you see enterprise imaging and radiology evolving in the future?
1: Well, we have a couple of things that are going on. Um, our EMR system, Epic, um, just recently we, we took an upgrade, which is allowing us to receive um, you know, clinical quality images from other systems uh, transported in real time. So at the very least we're finally maybe getting rid of those those CD-ROMs that you know, the patient has to drive back and forth, or we have to carry or fax uh, from hospital system to hospital systems. I know, you know, many occasions during residency and, and other times where I we literally had to get somebody to go pick up the disc from a another hospital and bring it over. So I'm excited about that. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, one of the other things that I'm excited about is really just incorporating more. AI, AI technology into our radiology system. We have a couple of different initiatives um, for very specific pieces of radiology, like lung nodule uh, imaging and follow-up that uh, AI is really helping us with. And I can see that in the future, it's just going to keep growing in that direction where AI will take on these, these niche use cases um, that uh, really don't need necessarily the full weight of the, the radiologist expertise to evaluate um, and really take a lot of, off their plate so they can do the, the things that they, they really need to be focused on. And I, I can see that continue to evolve.
0: Got it. Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous?
1: Well, a couple of things. One is the snow on the ground is making me very excited um, being in Memphis, Tennessee, but also very nervous about driving. Uh, You probably don't have that problem in Chicago. But really, um, you know, all joking aside, you know, COVID-19 is still in the forefront of my mind and the majority of uh, the leaders in our system. Um, I'm excited about the vaccinations. Um, We have had some good success. And I spent a lot of time looking at our data and sharing it with our executive team. And we have started to notice a decline in hospitalizations in the 70 plus age group. Um, all age groups have declined since the, our vaccination program has started, really, and since that second peak. But the decline has been faster in that age group, which, in our state at least, our three state area, uh, are really the only outpatients that are eligible for this are those that are 70 and above. So um, I'm a little hopeful that that is a is a signal that uh, vaccination program is working for us. And so we'd like to continue to see that um, go forward with, you know, obviously as we progress to the next phases, Um, what am I nervous about? Really nervous about the variants that are emerging um, around the country, as as many are. Um, We're watching those closely and carefully and and deciding if anything in our clinical practice needs to be changing. Um, But, you know, I'm really hoping that our vaccination program just continues to amp up, so that we can outrace those variants.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's you know, ideally the the situation. I know a lot of the leaders across the healthcare system are really kind of keeping an eye on both things in terms of vaccinations and variants, and and really how everything will play out over the next few months. Now, I wanted to ask you about leadership before we end our conversation here. What are your top three pieces of advice for aspiring clinical leaders today?
1: What are my top three pieces of of advice? So I would say number one, uh, for those that are aspiring into a leadership role, is to just continue to broaden your horizons and expand your skill set. Early on in my career, when I was in residency, I actually decided to get that master's in health administration. Um, and that really has shaped the rest of my career. You know, it took me in different directions, led me to do this fellowship that I was never really expecting to do. It wasn't even on my my radar screen. Uh, along those same lines, even after doing this fellowship in informatics, um, I picked up new skills, and that would be the second thing, is continue to expand your skill set. I, I learned how to code, even though I had no prior background of that. Um, you know, I learned... You know, I actually learned how to do podcasting as well. We had two two podcasts that I started since the pandemic started, uh, which I learned during fellowship. Um, you know, so the the Right Care Baptist podcast and the Connecting the Dots podcast that focuses on continuous improvement were, were both skills that I picked up late in my career. Um, and I think as an aspiring clinical leader, you're going to need to have new skills to be able to bring to the table um, and not be afraid to learn something new. Um, you know, many people may think these things are intimidating, but really, if you've been through medical school, you've been through any sort of training, you've uh, trained harder and, and learned more than anybody else in the world, in my opinion, and you can really master anything that you, you know, take the time to, to look into. So that would be, those are kind of two pieces, is to continue to broaden your horizons and not be afraid to, to take on and learn new skills Um, the third thing I would say is to really familiar yourself, uh, with data and data analysis and be able to bring that to the table. I've found since I've started in, in administration, just that there really is a desperate need for, for people that both know the clinical workflow, as well as know how to, um, analyze data and, and, and make sense of the data in, in real time. And, um, you know i've i've been doing that for our organization since i got here and i think it's it's made a pretty big impact and i would like to see more leaders uh, emerge with that skill set
0: Got it. Dr. Lancaster, thank you so much for going through those three pieces of advice for us. I think to summarize, number one is just continue to broaden your horizons and expanding your skill set. I love the example that you gave on how you earned your master's in health administration and then, you know, going into the informatics fellowship and just really learning a lot of new things. Um, And tied to that, expanding your skill set in, for you, it sounds like it was coding and then podcasting even in the recent months. So that's always exciting to hear. And then finally, familiarizing yourself with data and data analysis. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today, Dr. Lancaster. This has been a fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on, Laura. I really enjoyed it.